Hello podcast, how are you? I am fine. I'm feeling a little bit, what's the word? Probably just cheesy today. Not cheesy, but contemplating-y? Contemplating-y. I don't think that's the word if I'm going with it. And I've just finished a whole load of check-ins and I was just thinking how well, actually, I'm going to use the word honoured. I am that so many of you have chosen to work with me. I think that's something that a lot of trainers don't really think about is actually of all of the trainers you could have gone to, they have decided to go with you, which is a huge honour. So thank you. And I will always do my utmost to give you the absolute best service I possibly can. Which brings me to my first questions. And by the way, the questions have been amazing in fact there's almost i'm not going to say too many because i absolutely love questions but there's a lot to get through so i'm going to start now so question number one is from louise she says i just love the podcast (laughs) well thank you louise and her question would be about lifting weights she says i know that the intention is to increase the weight every week but when slash how can you recognize your limit i always push my push myself to the limit and then feel under pressure to lift more i obviously know to make sure my form is spot on but realistically how do i know where my limits are probably a really hard question to answer but this comes from someone who is super competitive and always wants to be the best or to do her best otherwise i get demotivated if i can't lift more hopefully you know where i'm coming from so this is a great question and i guess the short answer is your body tells you your limit if that makes sense. So the fact that you can't lift more at the end of a rep range or that muscular fatigue hits and that your muscles become painful, that's your body telling you that it's reached its limit and that it doesn't want you to lift any more on that given day. I always want you, in fact, always, maybe not always, so I generally want you to lift as heavy as you can for the given reps. However, realistically you won't progress week on week or at least not for that long anyway so you will have this period of newbie games when you newbie gains i don't know why i can't speak very well today but you have this period of quote unquote newbie gains when you are new to the gym and you will see massive increases in strength and performance week on week really but the more experienced you are the smaller these increases become and there will be weeks where you can't progress or weeks where you lift less because you're tired you're grumpy you haven't slept you've got stressful time at work or just generally you don't feel buzzing for the session that day because that is an inevitable thing to happen or there could be countless other reasons Uh, for example even your stage of hormonal cycle can influence your strength so realistically you won't be able to lift more every single session once you sort of pass this newbie phase so please don't let that demotivate you you'll also find that if you have specific performance goals you will need to start structuring your training or I will need to start structuring your training in different ways. So we might incorporate things like deload weeks where you lift a lighter weight or if you were about to compete in some kind of competition, we might have a tapering week where you lower the volume but probably keep the intensity of your training as high to make sure you perform at your best ability on that day. 
hopefully that makes sense but please do let me know if that wasn't quite what you were asking next question is from hannah she's got two questions actually she says does it make sense for me to do pull-ups at the start of each workout or is it better at the end and is less or more frequency good i would say in terms of at the start or end it doesn't hugely matter the start might be a good place because you're fresh and if pull-ups are one of your main goals which i know for you that they are then doing them at the start when you're fresh is probably a really good idea so i would say start of the session and then when it comes to frequency yes like more is better so well only to a certain extent of course but generally more is better Uh, it seems so obvious but if you want to get good at something then do it often and this seems to happen less now but I used to hear all the time in the fitness industry like oh I really want to get good at squats so they would squat once a week and then they would do all these crazy assistant exercises that were meant to help with their squats like doing stuff on BOSU balls to help their stability and doing this that and the other that was you know anything but a squat to improve their squat and the best thing they could have done is squat more and you know maybe add in some accessory work that might help you or some technique work that might help you or some lighter loads or front squats but maybe a leg press the best thing you can do to get better at pull-ups is pull-ups the best thing you can do to get better at squats is squats if you look at let's look at an athlete for example if your event is the 100 meter sprint you're gonna run most days like your training will be based around track work it wouldn't be oh let's do all these other things and not really do any running to become better at running so the same is kind of true for any form of exercise really specificity is a really important factor so if you want to get good at something do it more often so question two from hannah very good question actually And I always say this, but I actually think you can tell a lot about how intelligent someone is, not from how much they know about something, because that just probably depends on how much they've studied it, but from the questions that they ask. So I know that I have a group of very intelligent clients, given that you all ask so many good questions. This question is, does it still make sense to exercise a muscle group if it's still sore slash you have DOMS from the previous workout? I have just been pushing through and doing the exercises anyway, but I'm wondering whether there is a physiological factor which means it's wasted pain or of no benefit to the muscle group or stimulation. Do muscles need to recover before you benefit from working them again? Excellent question. So these in my opinion these are sort of two separate questions if we start with the fact that doms isn't always a sign of under recovery it could just be that you have started a new block maybe these exercises are new to you maybe you haven't done these specific exercises for a while or maybe you just haven't exercised for a while and if that's the case then i would genuine genuinely generally push through as opposed to having time off and generally you'll be fine in a week so if you're new to exercise or you haven't done it for a while and you start back at the gym you'll find that the first week you're really quite sore but if you just keep pushing through by the next week you'll be absolutely fine however if you always have doms 
it could be that you aren't recovering well enough. So in this case, I would one, make sure you're not overdoing it in the gym. But if you're doing sort of a push-pull like split, maybe you're training four to five times a week, that's probably fine. But what we need to look at is the other side of that. And that would be your recovery. So how is your sleep? How is your nutrition? And then maybe what are the spacings of your workout as well? If you're maybe doing your push-pull leg session Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then having a gap until Friday, like can we break it up with a rest day in between each session? That might be um, something to consider as well. But you are right at the at the end of the question. You said, do your muscles need to recover before you can benefit from working them out again? To some extent, you're right there because you can only adapt and benefit to what you can recover from. So in that sense, doing more isn't always better. Next question is from Jordan. Another brilliant question. Are BCAAs any good? And the short answer to that is no. Unless you are a vegan or a vegetarian, I wouldn't waste your money on them. And this is the longer answer. Sorry, you won't know this because I paused the recording, but I had to have a little pause there because someone started cutting grass outside. Anyway, the longer answer is that, well, actually, I will start with what BCAAs are because some of you might be like, what the hell are you talking about? So that BCAAs which is a bit of a mouthful, even though it is an abbreviation, stands for branch chain amino acids. And they are some of the essential amino acids your body needs to build protein. And the BCAAs include, there's three of them, and they include some of the key, well, one of the key drivers for muscle growth, which is leucine. And this all sounds great. Okay, so if, you know, they drive muscle protein synthesis and muscle growth, then actually surely they are good to take. But you actually get plenty of these from animal sources of protein and the response of the presence of leucine saturates at about three grams of leucine, which is equivalent to about 20 to 30 grams of protein, which is also why I suggest splitting your meals up into 20 to 30 grams of protein servings to maximally benefit from the stimulation of muscle protein synthesis. So if you are getting in that amount of protein from animal sources, there's really no need to be taking BCAAs and sipping them all day long won't benefit you much either. It's also the case that muscle protein synthesis, I'm just going to call it MPS, right? Because I do have a bit of a lisp and I struggle to say that word. So the benefit of, in fact, so when you stimulate protein, damn it when you stimulate mps which (laughs) muscle protein synthesis oh nailed it when you stimulate this it actually needs to return to baseline levels to be stimulated again and this is kind of where the myth or the theory i don't even know if it's too much of a myth but it's where the theory behind optimally stimulating muscle growth would mean eating every two hours comes from so that's about the time course of the stimulation and then return to baseline of mps levels which is also why if sipping on branching amino acids alone was enough to stimulate muscle protein synthesis 
it would be a bit pointless to be doing it like many bodybuilders do which is kind of just sipping it continuously all day in the hopes that it's going to preserve lean body mass when dieting because you would need to let those levels return to baseline before they could be stimulated again hopefully that makes sense question two from jordan is i really dislike oily fish and then she's put in brackets i know who even am i I eat other fish, but I hate stuff like salmon. Would you recommend I get those fats from something else or take supplements? Well, salmon is the food of God, so you're crazy in that sense. But yes, I would, I don't know, like pop a fish oil supplement and or maybe have a tablespoon of olive oil on your salad a few times a week just to make sure you're getting the benefits of those good sources of fat in your diet. But you know, I wouldn't have you eating anything that you strongly dislike, nor do I think that you should ever eat anything you dislike, especially not when you're on a diet, because you want to save your calories for foods that you do like. So I always find it quite strange when someone's like, oh, I forced myself to eat salmon because, you know, I know it's good for my diet. And that's not good for your diet if it's making it hard to adhere to. And we know that if fat loss is the goal that energy balance is a huge component of that and you should be enjoying the foods that you eat especially when you're limiting the foods that you eat or the amount of food that you eat and question three from jordan which is also a question i went over with ban briefly is in a situation where you know you're going to be eating slash drinking more can you counteract that with activity or steps i don't mean using a calorie burn which you get on a tracking device as a way of permitting overeating, but just as a bit of a safeguard to your results. I know people can more accurately work out their calorie expenditure from their steps than they can their workout, for example, which is a brilliant, brilliant question. So in theory, yes, but on a practical level, usually no. And that's because we know how energy balance works. So if you do expend more energy, then you can, of course, eat more and still be in a deficit or still be at maintenance levels. The reason I say that practically no is that we tend to massively overestimate the calories we burn during exercise or activity. And you are right in that it is more realistic to look at your steps than your exercise burn. And that's mostly due to the variable heart rate that you experience during exercise and that often skews the calorie burn during exercise. But even then, the estimations tend to be high and the calories that you burn walking are going to depend on a number of factors. For example, your current weight, the speed at which you walk your fitness levels or in this in relation to this as I like to call it your efficiency so how hard you work at a given walking pace is dependent I guess partly on your well is dependent on your fitness levels so someone who is relatively unfit will be working at a higher percentage of their maximal vo2 capacity and thus burning more calories and maybe even building up what we term like an oxygen debt by swaying into anaerobic metabolism than a fit individual would be and that's not only to do with the fact that maybe they're carrying more weight thus making the exercise harder thus pushing it into a higher 
um, percentage of their VO2 max. But it's also due to their fitness and, and their efficiency at breaking down and utilizing energy. And as you become fitter, you actually use less calories at any given workload, which may sound like a great thing. And for exercise performance, it is. But it's actually not that great for fat loss because you end up using less energy than you would have before. This is quite a long-winded way of saying, I guess, yes, you can do that, but I would recommend that you don't. Um, but in the way that you've worded it, I'm actually quite happy for you to use it that way. So you've kind of said, I think my main, um, part that I liked that you said, God, this is a very bad way to speak, was that you mentioned that you wouldn't be using this as a way to permit overeating. It was more just, you know, oh, I've probably gone over my calories this weekend I know it's been roughly this, I'll just make sure I'm a bit more active as well as trying to limit my calories a little bit, maybe the next day. And I think that can work really well. Or if you know your expenditure is going to be far higher and you're going to be eating a bit more, or maybe you're in a position where, do you know what, you can't track or you don't really want to track and you're going to be mindful, but you know that your calories might be a bit higher. Maybe that's a weekend. Maybe you're going for a barbecue or a family meal and actually you can guesstimate that you're not really going to know. But what you can do is sort of quote unquote minimize the damage by being a bit more active getting in getting your steps up a bit more and still being mindful of what you eat i think that's a perfect approach what i wouldn't do and what i already know that you're not doing and that you're not insinuating but just to make clear is i don't know say oh i've overeaten by a thousand calories i'm just going to force myself to exercise for a couple of hours on the treadmill that's not a situation we want to get into and it's it's not it's not going to work for you anyway it tends not to be a very practical way to do things and also i never want you to see exercise as almost like a punishment for overeating hello podcast i've just arrived in edinburgh and i'm in shona's little room and i have shona and andy with me so we're going to answer some of your questions hi guys hey Maybe I should put this in the middle. Okay, and also sorry if audio is not great. So let's start with question number one, which is from the Facebook group. Have you got it up, Andy? From Sharon, right? Yes. Question was uh, about heart rate zones. So heart rate zones, can anyone explain this to me? So when I went for my run this morning, I would have burnt no fat. So put into the heart rate zone, 38 minutes at peak heart rate, nine minutes of cardio, one minute fat burn. Shame, because obviously only one minute burning fat, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty depressing. Yeah, yeah. Just shows you waste running. of time, running, really. Running's run, run not that good for you. <laughs> so, first of all, what it's usually looking at is the percentage of fat you are going to be burning during that exercise. And if we actually looked at well, let's take a step back. So you, you're always burning, when you're burning energy, a percentage of fat, a percentage of carbohydrates, and probably a small amount of protein breakdown as well. Now, depending on the intensity of exercise you're working at, the higher percentage of carbohydrates you will be burning because you're probably working more into, not necessarily anaerobic metabolism, but faster metabolism. And carbohydrate is a lot quicker to break down than fat is. So if we actually wanted you to burn the highest possible percentage of fat, you will be doing that while you sleep at rest. 
because that's sort of your lowest intensity of moving. However, when we look at the magnitude of energy you're burning, obviously a higher intensity is going to be better. Also, how is the dog making so much noise upstairs? <laughs> She's like <laughs> jumping upstairs. Um, so my point is, I think this was a bit of the myth a couple of years ago, especially as a lot of cardio equipment used to have on it. Yeah. Stay within your fat burning zone. So the truth in that is that during that exercise, you will burn more fat. So as in you will oxidize more fat for fuel. But that doesn't mean that you will burn more body fat at the end of the day, because if you've expended more energy, then you will sort of, that will equalize and you will burn more, you will have lost more body fat at the end of the day or the week. So it still comes back to energy balance, which I think is basically what Catherine said on that post. So listen to her, she knows what she's talking about, but it can be a bit confusing. And I think that's, that's another, what comes up with that as well is um, really low carbohydrate diets or like putting uh, butter in your coffee and things like that. People are like, oh my god, look, fat oxidation rates go up. And you're like, you've only got fat in your system. Yeah. No shit, you've yeah, eaten more fat. It's, like, it's not a difficult concept yeah. to work no, out. Not only have you burnt more fat, but you've also <laughs> eaten more fat. So, you know, kind of counteracting that. So, hopefully, that makes sense. And again, it comes back to the amount of energy expended and the amount you've consumed at the end of the day. So, if you've run at high intensity, thus burnt more energy during that run then actually that probably will contribute higher to your fat loss results yeah oh and i have all of the rest of the questions so i should probably get them up so okay we've got one from tina and this is about creatine do either of you take creatine i have done in the past i've got it in my uh, pre-workout actually yeah so you've just had some just about to have some yeah. just about <laughs> just watch, about to watch her explode into fluffiness <laughs> So the question is, if it's ideal but not convenient to have protein during a workout, does the same apply to creatine? Also, I take it every day as I read it's one of the only proven slash best supplements. Is this true? Yeah, I think if you... if, you, if I always use examine.com as a, a guideline about supplementation and I think it's probably one of the most researched supplements on examine.com. It's a free, it's a free bit of um, in a free uh, method of getting information on supplements, which is fantastic. Um, examine.com, perfect. If you ever need any ideas or any input onto the supplements that you're looking to take, have a look at that. They're, they have everything on it. Um, but I think there's always been one of this thing about creatine that you need to take a certain amount, you need to load it, you need to um, sort of take yourself off it, then go back onto it, sort of cycle your creatine. To be honest with you, there's still so much stuff out there. It's, I think it's a, a lot about personal preference. Um, they do say that if you're going to, they do say that um, there are people that are non-responders, mm. and I think I'm one of them because I really see no difference if I'm taking creatine. Well, I think, and what the research seems to say is that these non-responders tend to be people probably like you who get a lot of creatine in their diet. Yeah. Now, so creatine Red is in your diet exactly. Yeah. So if you're eating a lot of red meat or it kind of just it's actually in a lot of meat so you know i you might be getting enough anyway so then supplementing with more isn't necessarily better and actually you've already saturated the beneficial response you were going to get from that so in terms of like if it's going to benefit you or if you're a non-responder that might be a a big impact as well and when people say it's the best the best supplement or the most proven supplement like 
that is true because there's a lot of research on it doesn't mean it's you know like it doesn't mean that it's amazing no no it's still it, remember, it's just it's well proven that it can have marginal strength gains. yeah so and remember it's the same as any other supplement like a supplement is to in addition to what you're currently doing it's not going to be the thing that tips you over the edge it's going to be something that potentially gives you two or three percent extra and that's not something you should be focusing on you should be focusing on all the other things first yeah um, it's like people focusing on the minors when they're not thinking about the majors yeah so if your nutrition's if your nutrition's oh shit there's no point thinking about taking creative. Yeah. What do people say? Forest for the trees. Exactly. Exactly. I didn't so, really like that saying. Nah. It doesn't like do anything for me though. Nah, there's a new one. That's not really exciting, is it? The ma- the minors or the majors. I can get yeah. that. Yeah. Focus on the majors, not the minors. Yeah. Focus yeah. on what gives you the biggest bang for your buck. Yeah. I yeah. like that. I like that one. That's the best. Money driven people. But nah, creatine's one of these ones that, you know, it's um, it's not bad for you. I think I've, it's, I, cheap. it's cheap. It's cheap. not bad for you. You'll piss it out. Don't, <laughs> and, yeah, and don't look for the most expensive stuff either. Like, you can go out and phone bargains around the corner and you'll get creatine monohydrate. We are not the, sponsored by him, but... Yeah, exactly. You should, bloody hell, should be, though. Yeah. Um, you go around there and you can get a, a, a packet of, I don't even know what the brand is, like Cytosport or something. Some really do you know what brand. they do like, like USN really cheap in yeah around the end yeah. yeah and it's a cup it's got like 50 or 60 servings in it like 5 gram servings so there's no like you get crealcaline creatine you get um, ethylester oh and that you've tried that stuff no it I've, tastes I like, it tastes it like it's like seawater with added salt it is horrific mm. you can't even cover it with anything but there's no difference to any of these things all it is is a marketing it's just marketing yeah. like everything and else. actually almost all of the research is done on monohydrate so may as well stick to that if you're going sort of evidence-based anyway um okay so next question full fat dairy versus low fat dairy is the low fat better because it's low calories and has good nutrients or full fat i saw somewhere that higher fat encourages you to get rid of fat via poop (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's only that's only if you don't poop anyway. If you're, if, you're, if you're a regular pooper, you should be yeah. fine. <laughs> Sorry, I hadn't even read that. <laughs> We've got Shona crackling already. Because Shona oh. knows she's a regular pooper. <laughs> I'm like clockwork. <laughs> I, I know you're like clockwork. I work with you. Um, yeah, I don't. I, it's a bit of a. That's an interesting question. I. I think a lot of it's to do with, um, for me, it's to do with calories. Yeah. If someone enjoys blue milk, which I did when I was a kid, I love blue milk. But if I was to go to blue milk now, it'd be like drinking cream. Mm. So I'm always like saying skim now, but reds, just like water. It yeah. Skims water for me. But I know, like for instance, Shona, you've taken la- you've taken sort of milk daily out of your diet, and you've always yeah. been putting sort of plant based stuff. Yeah, I like my but, oat milk. And almond milk. But I think it's all to do with your calorie allowance. If you can afford to put in, like, what's the first thing? Is it, do you remember Gomad diet? That was the one that, like, the... the that sounds for a gallon of milk a day. <laughs> gallon of milk a day. That's what they, the SR, the SR, you guys were doing that for a long time. That's how they just put, trying to put on size. Just put on size. There was guys drinking, like, six, six seven litres of milk a day. That's like, mental. That's not only, like, a visit to the, for peeing. That's like, gee whiz, you, you don't want to be anywhere if near that. If you weren't lactose intolerant before. You're going to be after. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, I think it's if you've got the allowance and you pref- and you like full fat, there's no reason why not to have it. But you know, yeah. if it means that you can sacrifice, you can go for the low fat. It means you've got calories for other things. Like fire on and do that. It's, yeah. You know, 
I don't think there's much in the encourages you to get rid of fat via poop. No. Um, unfortunately, the foods that you eat will be absorbed largely by you, and you know, eating higher fat isn't going to make you lose more fat by no. pooping but out. But going back to the last question, if you only eat fat, you're going to burn more fat. It's, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But so it's it's it doesn't really it doesn't yeah. compute if you do it that way. So. Um, okay. Next question from Fatma. Um, Oh, no, wait, this is me writing a note. Apparently I've written, oh, I actually might... That actually might be good for the podcast. <laughs> uh, oh, no, wait, it's from her. So, anyway, it basically it's talking about... So, Fat has lost a huge amount of weight. In fact, almost 30 pounds of the kilogram. Oh, wow. Anyway, it's a ridiculous amount. But a huge sort of lifestyle change. And what I found quite interesting, it seems to be like an identity shift as well, which what I have seen mm-hmm. with... Same with Catherine, actually. Um, changing from Anne Denise, a person who maybe didn't exercise and that was part of who they were, was that they kind of didn't exercise, to someone who is an exerciser. Yeah. Like, all of their friends would be like, oh, yeah, she always goes to gym. She's, like, she's into healthy eating. That's part of who she is. That's part of what she does. And I think that shift in identity is a really interesting thing that you see with lifestyle change in that. And that's what's one of the things that makes it easier to maintain is that you sort of become a person that exercises and thus it doesn't require as much willpower because it's part of who you are. Like, Self, self-motivating, you start to see mm. results change. You start to see results, you become more motivated to chase the results. So you, you don't, your motivation is you watching the, either the scales go down or looking in the mirror and seeing the change in shape. You know, it's a big. I think, but I think in terms of the behaviours that oh yeah, like I think got behind those. Results. I think the motive, but that's also for me. It's always motivation. People, people start to live and breathe it, and they're like, mm. oh, you know, I, it's. But do you think that's motivation? Because I would say for them now, it's not. It's like it's habit. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. they obviously, you're right. Initially, it probably required a lot of motivation, but I don't think it requires motivation for them to do now because it's part of it's who they part are. Of what their, they yeah. do. Part of their daily routine. Part of what they do. Yeah. Yeah interesting yeah i think it's it's a it's a big one but you you know it's i think it's the same thing when you get to that stage and you get people that are starting going oh you know you've changed well you know if you, as long as you're happy with how you've changed you've changed yeah. for the better it doesn't matter what anybody else says yeah it definitely encourages a more positive mindset i would say yeah 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 which is a huge transfer to other areas of your life as well yeah, yeah. A happier you is a happier you for everyone else as well. So that's always good. Okay, so next part. Oh, I was going to look this up. No, okay, we'll move on to this. So one from Claire. An interesting topic, perhaps, for the podcast, which I think you might have already covered on Insta. How the makeup of your calories affects your other physiological markers. E, For example, eating under your calories, but if it's made up of all shit food then you will feel shit and have bad skin and bad sleep and bad mood etc so i guess what what the point is here is that it's not all about calories and actually what you eat does matter even though we you know obviously a deficit is required for fat loss that doesn't actually incorporate how you feel how you perform your mood a hundred percent if you you could take you could set up two different diets with the same calories to lose weight, one being McDonald's, mm. fully from McDonald's, and one being whole foods that you prepare yourself, and you've got loads of veg, fruit, and stuff in it. It's exactly the same calories. You'll get weight loss from both, but you'll be more hungry 
because McDonald's the satiety levels aren't great, so you're not fuller for longer. Um, you know the the fact that there's lots of salt and there's lots of grease and stuff in it. You know that'll come out through your skin and you'll feel like shit. You know, and your your stomach's probably going to be going, "What the hell are you doing to me?" Whereas the other other side, um, the other side, if you have fruit, veg, and you start bulk things out like that, you're gonna have much more food. So you're gonna be happier straight away. Yeah. So, that's I mean, you're going to be happier as well, depending on the food content, because you're looking at foods that are contain flavonoids, so they'll alleviate like your oxidative stress levels. But you'll only get that from a certain food group. You wouldn't necessarily get that from the likes of your junk food, for example. Mm. It doesn't have the flavonoids and, in it. And so much on gut health now as well, and yeah. you know, eating high fiber diets so that you're feeding your gut microbiome, and how that not only yeah, there's been links between gut, gut brain, microbiome and, yeah. and depression yeah. and loads of things. And also just how you feel about yourself. Even if we only looked at the placebo effect of, you know what, I feel like I'm fueling my body, I'm eating healthy yeah. foods that are going to make me thrive and not just sort of survive. Yeah. Rather than, you know what, everyone knows McDonald's isn't particularly good for you to be having all the time. So you kind of already subconsciously know that. You don't feel like a healthy person and thus that kind of yeah. correlates as well. Exactly. But it is interesting, and I think there's a huge, I guess, the whole sort of, it's a calorie deficit thing that's come out in the industry, like, it does have a detrimental side that people just think, oh, I can eat whatever I want. And actually, you will be, you will struggle massively to stick to a diet where you don't look at your food choices. Yeah. Because as you, as Andy's just said, you know, if you just ate McDonald's, really, what's that? If you say you're on 1500 calories, what's it's that probably, like? A couple probably, of happy meals. I it'd be like a large Big Mac meal and an and an extra cheeseburger, probably. Yeah. Not that I would know this, but it's exactly this. <laughs> um, but I think, and on the flip side of that as well, you've got to remember that people. I think a lot of people um, get sort of a bit food snobbish about this stuff, so they start to sort of view, oh, McDonald's is disgustingly unhealthy. In actual fact, it's. It's, it's not great, but it's, it can be tasty and it can fit your calories if needs be. Mm. You know, so and they also, you know, these places like Greg's, McDonald's—they're all doing stuff like salads and wraps and stuff now. Yeah, the wraps aren't the wraps bad. Are I pretty good, and the salads are stuff. not bad either. Not that I eat vegetables, <laughs> but you know, it's you know, if you if you get stuck, you know, there's ways to get around these things. And I think a lot of people still view it as like, oh. My God, McDonald's is so unhealthy. Well, in actual fact, they've had to become healthier because yeah. of the government guidelines. So, you know, they haven't provide fruit, little cuts of carrots and vegetables and stuff for kids because they realise that you know they are not the reason, but they are a contributing factor to obesity levels because it's so cheap and it's so easy to access. So, you know, it's and they're doing pretty well to be fair. You know, you've got to look at it and say, you know, they've made a big change and everything's now got calories on their menus and stuff. Yeah, that's a huge Which is massive, you know. And you know, I think it's and And actually when you look even looking at that, what kind of what you were talking about with this food snobbery as well is that sometimes and and again it's not all about calories, I'm almost like contradicting myself here, but some quote unquote healthy foods have just such high calorie levels. like you'd be go and look at like what you might deem like a healthy type sandwich from M&S next door to McDonald's and mm. it's just the same as having a Big Mac you get like an innocent smoothie there's nothing innocent oh about God. an innocent smoothie when you eat 25 pieces of fruit in one sitting it's like <laughs> 700 calories per, per like innocent that's smoothie that's what I would say about like 
orange juice or even just any juices or smoothies I'm like yeah I get that like people think it's good that there's that much fruit in it I'm like sit and eat the fruit look how much fuller yeah. you will be mm. you'll get all of the benefits of the fruit as well you'll get the fibre content as well yeah. and you've actually eaten something and you're not does anyone ever things. have a smoothie and think oh, yeah. so satisfied after having that like yeah, you no touch, eat the 20 pieces of fruit and you'll get about a quarter of the way through and go I'll leave the rest for later it, on yeah. oof had enough yeah. <laughs> god the fruit sweats that's a thing. <laughs> okay, tell me one thing you've learned this week. Hmm. Ooh, that's actually a hard one. Get thinking, Shona, because you're next. Oh, you can go first, Shona. Oh, I don't know, though. So. <laughs> oh, God, I've put myself on the spot because I... I <laughs> you um, What's one thing I've learned this week? Actually, do you know what I did actually just learn uh, recently? This morning. Is this to, towards the fitness industry or just... Doesn't have to be. Well, I actually learned that when you're um, when you're pregnant, you can't have red meat. Why? Oh, what was the what was the word they used again? It's um, to do with it's to do with raw meat. It's to do with like this. So. Oh, yeah. Is it, so, sorry, um, so you can't have. Basically, it, it was really really devastating news for me because you can't have a rare steak. It needs to be well cooked. Yeah. Oh, because of the because it has toxoplasmosis in it. Oh, that's what I was gonna say. Just yeah. just on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> oh, yeah. And also, yeah, so that you get that from handling cat's poo. Oh, good time. So no steak <laughs> and no licking your hands after emptying <laughs> the litter tree. That's or genuine. licking the litter tree. That's that's genuine genuine While you're pregnant, <laughs> can't eat any more cat poo. Yeah. That's always a always an interesting one. Yeah. So um, I learned that too. Anything to add to that? Any about cat facts? <laughs> cats in general. No. no. I'm a dog man. Um now I think I think this week I was having a chat with somebody about um what was I having a chat about? About um the sort of whole the whole life coaching, business coaching, mentor stuff. Um and I think it's obviously from what we're trying to help people with I think my biggest biggest problem is is that as a personal trainer we need to realise we're not therapists yeah. we're not there to help we're not there to help people solve mental health problems we can help alleviate them by getting them to exercise and stuff but you're not a therapist we're not yeah, it's, like, it's a byproduct because some people yeah. will and I had actually I had someone ask me they, they were like oh, I've got depression I see that from some of the feedback you get and you put on your Instagram that actually you help so many people with mental health problems. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no, like I don't help people with mental health problems. People get better mental health from working with me, but that's not the goal of this and I'm not a professional in that. So yeah. they were sort of coaching saying, oh, do you think me working with you would benefit my mental health? And I'm like, do you know what? It probably would because it would give you some focus, some structure. Yeah. You know, and actually eating better, fueling yourself, and getting stronger in the gym, things like that. Focusing like, it's, on, it's on a huge benefit different. mentally. Yeah. But I'm not about to turn around and tell you that. Yes, I will. You know, if you've got depression, you've got like a serious mental health problem. Yeah. This might help, but it's not. You know, I would never want. It just it just seems to be the way that I don't know. Again, you know, I know we we social media is a great thing, but it can also be quite detrimental. I think there's so many people nowadays that are getting into the fitness industry as a PT or whatever it is, and they, they think that they're can that they qualified to give advice on the mental health, on things that they just... He, one of the guys, Brian Cran, who I follow, he did a real good podcast with the Fitness Devils, and it was about knowing your lane. You need, mm. to have a, you need to have a phone book of contacts who you can speak to. So if you have somebody that, you know, somebody comes to you with an issue and you can't deal with it, you need to know who to speak to. 
it's okay. It's okay going away and learning about it. But if somebody needs a specialist, you need to know who they can go and speak yeah, to. Yeah, I always say that as well. That in fact, we referred someone on this week yeah. who we thought would be better suited to someone else. And there's no shame in that. In fact, I think it's brilliant. And I much prefer to be. I hate saying I'm really sorry. I can't help you. But I absolutely do not mind saying I'm really sorry. I can't help you, but this person can. Yeah, I think. Or it, I think you'd be better to do this. It just shows your confidence. The thing is, it's about being confident in your own abilities, but at the same point, realizing that there's a limitation to what you have in your in your toolbox. You know, and I can help people with most stuff, but I would never ever try and step into the lane of trying to help somebody with their mental health because I'm not qualified for yeah. that. I've not, you know, I've not went and did done five years at university yeah. to, to learn how to be a therapist so if I can give somebody if I can give somebody if I can if somebody comes from to me who's like right because of having mental health problems exercise helps me perfect I can work with that but if it comes the other way around I can you know you have to know that you need to know your lane and realize that there are times you need to be the bigger person and go right I can't help you here but this is a, some this is somebody that can help you and yeah. this is who you need <laughs> or to even to. like I'm more than happy to do the exercise with you and I hope it will help your mental health yep. but you still need to go and get help you need and you to still go. need to keep you know exactly. if you are already yeah. getting help like this isn't a substitute for that but, absolutely yeah. never totally but I think it's um, you know there's just it's something that just it's something that can I, using the word grinds my gears is seeing grinds that grinds, grinds my gears is it so seeing stuff like that that people who have got no they have no reason to be getting involved in this kind of stuff who are trying to trying to sort of put out the fact that they need to get paid money for this and you're like That's or it, and actually then it's preying on people who are really vulnerable and who are and a lot of actually diets are like this you know like fad diets you're, you're preying on someone who's maybe tried everything and, yeah. and it's like I really want to lose it and this is the new way to lose weight and honestly they just buy into it and again that's, you're that's like what, that's what MLM does multi-level marketing that's exactly what that does mm. um, so yeah. you know it preys on people who are desperately in need of help and you know they throw money at it you know, rather than actually educating somebody on how to make change and change how they think about things and educate them into being able to do it themselves they'll get themselves hooked on that and then it all goes tits up after that so never fun true what's well, the thing you've learned that, oh god and on that note we'll finish the podcast <laughs> yeah, well I've got to think of like a fun fact to finish the podcast that's what I try and do Eskimo poo is green no it's not that's, 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 that's rubbish that's my that's my urban myth well, oh. but maybe it's green because of the high fat tension. That's exactly <laughs> what the urban myth is. That's what it is. Uh. <laughs> what a fun okay. fact. If anyone can still hear after listening to Shana's laugh, then, uh, <laughs> then goodbye. This is the end of the podcast. Au <laughs> revoir. <laughs>